Welcome to Econ 2021. This is the 2021 edition. I'm Mike Mandel, author of the textbook, Economics, the Basics. And I'm Sean Flynn, author of Economics for Dummies and co-author of the McConnell Principles of Economics textbook. And we're going to be talking about the very hot topic of fiscal stimulus. Too big, too small, or just right? Uh, We're recording this podcast in early March of 2021 as Congress is discussing President Biden's $1.9 trillion COVID recovery package. We are not going to talk about the details of this package because, as you might guess, by the time you hear this podcast, they will have changed. But what we will talk about is the big picture about how fiscal stimulus affects the economy, what sort of analytic tools we have for describing the impact of fiscal stimulus on things like jobs and GDP and interest rates, and how we can think about whether or not it's too big or too small. So, Sean, I'm going to turn it over to you to talk a little bit about the aggregate supply and aggregate demand, those wonderful curves that we know from our textbooks. Sure. So um, we've had this really weird COVID recession. The aggregate demand curve basically captures how much demand for goods and services there is in the economy at any given time. The aggregate supply is how much businesses and entrepreneurs want to supply. And what we had happen was very strange. So as lots of people got unemployed last year, demand for goods and services fell off because they weren't getting paychecks or were getting much reduced wages. so They couldn't spend as much. But you also had aggregate supply being reduced, shifting to the left because uh, businesses were shut down and they weren't producing as much. And so we had this very interesting shock where both aggregate demand and aggregate supply were reduced. And now Congress basically is thinking that it can get in with another stimulus package and increase the aggregate demand. Basically the private sector aggregate demand decreased, shift to the left. Congress wants to substitute in some government demand to sort of fill in the gap and shift it back to the right and try and get things back to normal. And with all that extra spending, people hired again, more businesses open, more money in people's pockets, and then hopefully it becomes self-sustaining. So let's actually back up one step to 2020. In 2020, Congress was not sitting on its hands. It actually passed several large stimulus packages adding about more than $4 trillion to the government's debt. At the same time, the Federal Reserve was cutting interest rates and adopting a variety of other measures to help shore up the financial part of the economy. So we're here at this point where the economy has been recovering up to a point. We still have a lot of unemployed. We still have a lot of businesses closed. The question is, as the vaccine rolls out, Will that be enough to get the economy started? Or do we need, as Sean says, this extra stimulus to help push us over the edge? Yeah, well, and Congress is going to have its hands full here. I mean, I think the political winds, the way they're blowing is we will get this $1.9 trillion package. But the question then is from an economics perspective, is it too big or too small? And that, in some sense, is a little hard to say. There's very prominent economists on both sides of this debate right now. So we're going to go on both sides of the debate, too. We're going to give both sides of this issue. Sure. Well, here, let me take the uh, it's not going to be a problem. It's about the right size or maybe it's even too small thing, which is the unemployment rate is still about double of where it was before the crisis. Payrolls, that is, if you count the number of workers, are still down about 8% from the crisis. That's millions and millions of people. You've seen certain industries like restaurants decimated, movie theaters, live entertainment. And so to get all that going again, you're going to need a lot of spending and it's well spent. So that's one side. Well, we should also add the uncertainty 
of the recovery, which is that people are counting on the vaccines to help open up the economy. But there's a worry that as the virus mutates, that the variants will not be as susceptible to the vaccines as the original version. And it may very well be the pandemic continues longer than expected. So there's a lot of uncertainty about where the economy is going. And in that sense, a large spending package is an insurance policy. Yes. And it's a confidence boosting insurance policy. So say there's a um, entrepreneur, call her Janice. She's in Des Moines, Iowa. She's thinking about opening up a, a restaurant in the next six months. If she's really worried that we could hit another bump with the virus here and have some more lockdowns, she will probably not open that restaurant. But if she sees, okay, we may have a bump but Congress is going to you know, put all this spending into the economy, she might say, okay, well, that's great. That means even if there's a bump, there'll be uh, something to help my business get through a bump. And therefore, it's safe enough now for me to open the restaurant now rather than delaying six months. And so part of this is not just Congress spending $1.9 trillion, It is Congress reassuring the private sector enough that in addition to the government's $1.9 trillion, maybe the private sector puts in an extra trillion on its own because they're feeling confident enough to proceed. That's actually a really good point, Sean. And we can also extend that to state and local governments, which is that if the local government, if a local, take the Des Moines city government. I know nothing about Des Moines. I've been to Des Moines. It's a wonderful place, but I know nothing about the city government. So please don't, please, if you're listening to this in Iowa, please don't, don't, I'm not really about you in particular. But let's suppose the city government is thinking about what the budget looks like for the year and trying to decide if they need to lay off workers. And If they think that there's more money coming down the pike from the federal government, they might be less willing to lay off workers. But if they're worried about the future, they will lay off workers, they will lose the spending power of those workers, and they could make the recession worse. So there's a self-feeding quality both to recessions but also to recoveries. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, the federal government is in a unique position in our, you know, our federal system here where there's the state and local governments and the federal the states and locals have to balance their budgets every year. So if, if tax revenues are down because there's fewer workers or, you know, you're dependent on hotel revenues like New York City and no one's visiting New York City right now, the tourists are all gone. Those local and state jurisdictions can't just borrow money to make up for it. Only the federal government can. And so part of this $1.9 trillion stimulus, as you alluded to, is the federal government helping the state and local governments shore up their budgets, which means, as you said, they're not going to have to lay off a bunch of state and local government workers or cut services drastically. But remember, it's not even if the stimulus package gives money directly to state and local governments. It's also what happens to the state and local economies, right? So that if the federal money sort of helps keep the private economy up, they will produce more tax revenues for the state and local government. So it's both direct and indirect effects. So these are the positive effects of a stimulus package. You know, now we're going to talk a little bit about what the potential negative effects might be. And remember, we're economists. We are not taking a position at this point about which way we should go. Okay. At least for the purposes of this podcast, this is educational. Just needed to say that. But let's actually discuss a concept known as the output gap. In economics, we have GDP, gross domestic product, which is the output of the economy. Then we have potential GDP, which is what the economy would be producing if everything was basically flowing as it should be. I mean, there's a technical definition, but it's kind of the the, the line of growth where it's not too hot and not too cold, but ju- kind of just right. And the output gap is the difference between 
the potential GDP and the actual GDP. If we have a negative output gap, that means that potential the actual GDP is below potential GDP. Did I get that right? Did I get that right, Sean? That's right. Okay, good. We were discussing about this uh, before the podcast. The, the wider the output gap is, the bigger the stimulus should be. What do we know about the output gap at this point? Well, it's hard to say, and there's there's a lot of debate, and it's 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 the size of the output gap. So I, th- I think everyone believes we have an output gap. That is the actual GDP, what we're actually producing is below the potential GDP. But then how much below is the problem right now? And it's hard to get good estimates on this. You know, the unemployment rate is about double from before the crisis. I think payrolls are still down about 8% relative from before COVID hit. And so that's a lot, that's millions of people still unemployed who had jobs before. And so, and these job losses are heavily concentrated in people of lower income levels. And so it's not just there's been harm, the harm has not been evenly spread. And so there's a strong argument to be made there that yes, we need a large stimulus to get all those people back to work. On the other hand though, some economists are arguing, including very prominent people, that the output gap isn't as big as it looks and that this 1.9 trillion of stimulus will overdo it. It will shift the aggregate demand curve so far to the right that what you're mostly gonna get, you will get those people back to work, but then you'll overdo it and you'll get a big inflation, which then means maybe the Federal Reserve has to raise interest rates and slow the economy down again, just as we're getting everyone back to work. And so there is a, a strong and vociferous debate right now among economists. And as you said, it all comes down to we don't know how big the output gap is right now, and therefore, what an appropriate response is to it. So this is really one of the interesting debates in economics, which is monetary policy is a very important tool for dealing with downturns. Monetary policy can be adjusted pretty easily. Okay, it can be the interest rates can be moved up or down. You know, the Federal Reserve knows ways of sort of tinkering with the financial system to sort of make monetary policy more stimulative or less stimulative, on really on short notice. Fiscal policy has a lot of momentum to it. It takes time to sort of pass legislation. It takes time to sort of roll out the money. It's very hard to sort of change it in, in mid-course. In terms of, if you go back and you look at 2008, 2009, which is the last recession, it's generally agreed that the recession was much worse than people thought at that point. When we revised the statistics, it turned out that we should have had a much bigger stimulus package than we did. There's a memory there, a deep memory of the people in the Biden administration that we made a mistake of going too small last time and that perhaps we need to not make the same mistake again. So I guess, Sean, I mean, we don't have to come to a conclusion. We should just tell the people listening to this podcast who sort of think about basic economics that economics gives us the tools for telling us what the effects might be. But then you actually have to do the hard work of figuring out what the numbers are. Yeah, yeah. It would be like knowing that you uh, need a a screwdriver to turn a screw, but not knowing which size screwdriver, right? I've had had that problem. I just keep trying different screwdrivers until I find one that works before I strip the screw. (laughs) Yeah, well, and just, yeah, so just, you know, or, or knowing how to drive, but every single car is different, right? Or pilots, they have to get rated and tested on each new airplane because each one's different enough that even a, a seasoned pilot could crash a plane he hasn't you know, flown in before. And so not not that we're about to crash the economy here or anything. Oh, good. I'm, I'm hoping we're not. But, but yeah, it, it's we, we know directionally probably what we should be doing, but directionally doesn't tell you how far. It's, it's like, I don't know, if you play golf, like, you know, you know which way to, the, the hole is, right? But if you can't tell how far away the hole is, right, it's out in the distance, 
with, you know, you don't have your laser range finder, then you don't know how hard to hit the ball. And that makes it really confusing. And that's kind of unfortunately where we are at the, in terms of the fiscal stimulus. I think that most people at this point agree that maybe it's better to sort of be safe rather than sorry. Mm-hmm. Why don't you kind of, you know, just sort of sum that up for our listeners at this point, the arguments in favor of the fiscal stimulus? Oh, well, so I think the arguments in favor, you know, again, we don't know exactly whether it's the winning argument, but the arguments in favor are there are millions of people still unemployed. There's a lot of uncertainty, as you pointed out, a lot of private sector money is holding off because we don't know if there's going to be another resurgence of a variant of the virus. And therefore, Congress should go big and make up for that uncertainty and get those people back to work. And then once the economy is humming along, we can then worry about whether it was too big and maybe there's a little inflation, we could handle that later. But first thing first, get everyone back to work. I think that sounds like a great place. Uh, Thanks very much, Sean. No, no, thank you, Mike. In this podcast, we talk about the very hot topic of fiscal stimulus. Too big, too small, or just right? We're recording this podcast in early March, 2021, as Congress is discussing President Biden's $1.9 trillion COVID recovery package. We're not going to talk about the details of this package because by the time you hear this podcast, they might have changed. But we will talk about the big picture about how fiscal stimulus affects the economy, what sort of analytic tools we have for describing the impact of fiscal stimulus on jobs, GDP, and interest rates, and how we can think about whether or not it's too big or too small. We're going to use the aggregate supply and aggregate demand curves that we know from our textbooks. The aggregate demand curve captures how much demand for goods and services there is in the economy at any given price level. The aggregate supply is how much businesses and entrepreneurs want to supply at a given price level. In 2020, the aggregate demand curve shifted to the left as the demand for goods and services fell off. Americans were locked down and not spending that much. At the same time, the aggregate supply curve was shifted to the left as well because businesses were shut down and they weren't producing as much. The combination of both aggregate demand and aggregate supply shifting to the left greatly reduced output. In response, Congress passed several large stimulus packages in 2020 to shift the aggregate demand curve back to the right again. These bills added about $4 trillion to the government's debt. At the same time, the Federal Reserve was cutting interest rates and adopting a variety of other measures to help shore up the financial part of the economy and further shift aggregate demand back to the right again. As the vaccine rolls out, will that 2020 spending and interest rate cuts be enough to get the economy started again, or is the extra $1.9 trillion needed to help push us over the edge? Here's the arguments in favor of more spending. As of February 2021, there were still 10 million people unemployed, almost double the 5.7 million people out of work in February 2020 before the pandemic started. Certain industries like restaurants, movie theaters, and live entertainment have been decimated. Congress and the Biden administration want to boost government spending again to get things back to normal. And with all that extra spending, people get hired again, more businesses open, more money is put into people's pockets, and then hopefully the recovery becomes self-sustaining. And while the vaccines are helpful, the pace of recovery is still uncertain. And it may very well be that the pandemic continues longer than expected. In that case, the large spending package is a confidence-boosting insurance policy for both private businesses and for state and local governments. What is the economic argument against the spending package? Let's start by discussing a concept known as output gap, which is the difference between potential GDP and actual GDP. If we have a negative output gap, that means that actual GDP is below potential GDP. The wider the output gap, the bigger the stimulus should be. Unfortunately, no one really knows how wide the gap is. 
Some economists are arguing that the output gap isn't as wide as it looks and that this $1.9 trillion of additional stimulus will overdo it. It will shift the aggregate demand curve so far to the right that the aggregate price level will rise and we will get an inflationary surge, which no one wants. However, once a fiscal stimulus is passed, even if it turns out to be inflationary, it's tough to turn off. Monetary policy and interest rates can be more easily adjusted up or down. So inflation certainly is a possibility. However, the bottom line is that millions of people are still unemployed who had jobs before, and these job losses are heavily concentrated in people of lower income levels. And so there's a strong argument to be made that, yes, we need a large stimulus to get all those people back to work. Then once the economy is humming along again, we can then worry about whether or not it was too big and maybe there's a little inflation. We can handle that later. But first things first, get everyone back to work. Thanks again for joining us.